Welcome everyone to the University of Minnesota's IPM podcast, Field Crops, where we discuss pest management throughout Minnesota and across the region. And it's been a little while since we've had an episode. We've actually been on break for a little while because we've been also having another program, the Strategic Farming Field Notes program throughout the summer. And that's where we covered a bit more about issues were occurring in the field pretty much as they are occurring throughout the year. So we're back to our kind of more regular scheduled programming now. We'll be covering different topics for pest management, either getting ready for next year or some things to think about this fall and winter. So for this episode, we'll be discussing what's happening near grain bins and what to do for pest management there. And we have Dr. Janet Knodel from NDSU today to talk about how to manage these pests there. So welcome, Janet. And do you want to introduce you. yourself a little bit? Uh, what do you do at NDSU in terms of what your position is and what crops do you cover pretty much? Uh, I'm a professor and extension entomologist at North Dakota State University in Fargo. And I've been here about uh, 20 years and I work on all field crops, uh, provide outreach and applied research. Main ones are wheat, barley, canola, corn, soybean, pulse crops, and sunflower. So quite diverse. <laughs> yeah, that's quite the list there compared to some of us where we might focus primarily on corn or soybeans, right. especially when we get up to North Dakota there. Uh, you know, sometimes that's a few more crops than what we deal with over here in Minnesota. Part of the reason we had you on is also because you know, a lot of our crops in, say, Western Minnesota, some are pretty similar to what's going on in the Dakotas as well. And especially for when we have grain pests, that's where a lot of these issues are going to be the same, regardless of where you are. So I figure we'd jump into that topic a little bit. So we'll start off for the first question. What do you commonly hear from growers about storage issues across the region? Any issues that have popped up recently in the past year or things mm -hmm. that, like you said, it's been 20 years you've been in this position, anything to keep an eye on kind of historically every now and then? Well, actually, I've gotten several calls this year or here in the fall um, as the grains have come off. And one of the common questions I get is they haven't checked their bin recently and they have been storing grain for quite a long time. It's old grain and they just checked it and they found out that it's infested with insects. So that's probably the most common and they're wondering, you know, how to get rid of those insects and what to do. They got new grain that they want to bring in and put on top of the old grain, which is a big no-no. <laughs> yeah, that's the challenge when it comes to this, because our main method of control we'll talk about is more sanitation and prevention. There's not a whole lot you can do when you have the new grain in there already, right? You can't easily put any sort of insecticide treatment in there. Well, if you know that you have old grain on the bottom of the bin and it's infested, uh, the best thing is to, and then you accidentally put the new grain on top, it's best to then fumigate immediately or your other alternative, which is fairly labor intensive, is to take the grain out of the bin, clean the bin, and maybe spray it with a bin spray to remove any insects that might be hiding and clean it out first, and then put the old and the new back into the bin with a grain protectant, which we'll be talking about more. Yeah, we'll cover a little bit more about uh, residual protectants. 
And we'll talk a little bit also about fumigants. I just wanted to mention, you know, for some of us, we deal with foliar insecticides more in the crops. And when it comes to fumigants, that's a little bit different of a setup there. Is that uh, yes. definitely more of a challenging way to yes. get any product into the bin? Or how is that basically done? Well, you need to be certified to do fumigation. So first you need to get the training so you're able to do fumigation, which is very dangerous. You're dealing with some chemicals that are either liquid or solid. And as soon as you release that into the bin, it changes into a gaseous form. And that will then move through the grain, killing all of the insects and every living thing in there, including you. So they're very toxic to humans. So you need to be very safe. It's, it's actually a, a dangerous job. That's one of the reasons why we talk about integrated pest management. It's not just for either the economic or environmental benefits. It's also human safety too. In this case, uh, dealing with your insect pest before you need to use a fumigant is obviously both the easier option and the safer. What kind of insects do we have infesting grain, whether it's soybeans and corn especially, but what about some of the other common crops you work with? Well, we have a lot of different stored grain insects and they'll get into all of the grains that we store. Some of them are more susceptible like our cereal crops, wheat, barley, oats, than like soybean, which has more of a harder shell on it. But they can infest soybeans as well. And corn is probably a preferred crop as well for some of the grains. But we have three different types of insects that we can find in the bin. We have internal feeders. Those are our weevils, like the maize weevil, rice weevil, and lesser grain borer. And then we have the external feeders, the Indian meal moth, which is primarily found just in the top three to six inches in the grain bin. And then we have the sawtooth grain beetle, red flower beetle, confused flower beetles, and there's many more um, that are external feeders. And then we have, as the third group, fungus and mold insects. They like to feed on the fungus and mold growth when your grain gets too much moisture in it these insects will move in, the foreign grain beetle, the hairy fungus beetle. So these are the ones, you know, that are signs that you may have a problem with your grain. There's maybe a hot spot or you may have insect infestation. We call it weevily grain when you have a problem with insects. But the external feeders that I mentioned, keeping your grain cool and clean will help resist that mold growth and insect infestation. It's mainly when you get those, we call it dirty grain, when you have broken kernels, uh, which make it easier for these external feeders to infest the grain and feed. I thought it was interesting. For me, this is somewhat of a newer topic, even though I've been now, working in our farm for years, I formerly as an entomologist, I haven't been getting into grain insects very much until just recently, but you mentioned both the mold and insect interaction. And that's kind of interesting too, because isn't temperature also involved in that where both the insects and the spoilage mold can increase the temperature in the bin? 
especially this year when it's been kind of a warm fall, we will see more um, grain problems. So it's very important when you bring it in in the fall, if the outside temperatures are cool enough, you do want to try to cool your grain down. Uh, the ideal temperature is 35 to 40 degrees Fahrenheit. But yeah, when it's warm, your grain is hot, you're more likely to see more mold. It does better when it's warmer and you might, and when it's warmer, you're more likely to have moisture problems as well. The ideal thing to do is try to cool the grain down when you first bring it in from the fall. So since we're speaking about the fall, a lot of folks probably have something in their bins, at least right now, either last year's crop or just getting this current year's crop in. Some of us are definitely a little bit later than others, but at some point we're going to have a bin that's empty, especially if maybe you've emptied out a storage bin and you have corn going into your drying bin right now. So at that point, what should you be doing prior to harvest if you do have especially an empty bin versus, you know, maybe thinking about for next year, if you want to try to get ahead of any problems? Yeah, so this is probably number one. We want to prevent grain insect problems by cleaning, I call it. (laughs) We want to clean those empty grain bins and any equipment you're using, your trucks, your augers, combines, wagons. Everything needs to be clean. I'm I'm a clean freak. I just love cleaning my house. This is my area. Clean everything, you know, the cracks and crevices. Get down in the floor if you have the perforated floors and try your best to get everything, all the dust and broken bits of grain out if there's any insects. You definitely want to clean that area out as well. You might want to do a spray down in the uh, perforated floors because you can't often get the floor, that area removed. So you can get really down in there to clean it real well. Outside, don't forget about the outside of the bin. That needs to be cleaned as well. And we recommend that you go in and remove weeds as well, either by hand or with a herbicide and have a 10 foot border around the empty grain bin. We want to treat those grain bins in case there's any insects that are hiding in the cracks and crevices. So both the inside and outside, you want to do a treatment. You can use uh, melathion or temple are probably some of the more common ones. There is an insect growth regulator called Diacon IGR+. That one will control both the immature stage As the insect growth regulator, it prevents the insect from molting and growing into the next stage. And it also has an adulticide insecticide for adult insects in it. So those are some that you can use. You want to do this about two to three weeks before the new grain is placed in the bin. And the treatment will kill the insects that are emerging from the hiding places, like the cracks and crevices. Um, or the perforated floors there at the bottom of the bin. And also insects are, you might have some old grain from a livestock that you're feeding that is infested outside. 
and it'll try to get into the bin as well. So we should spray the outside of the bin as well. And you wanna do this to the point of runoff and also spray the ceilings, the walls, any fans. Use pressure about 30 pounds per square inch and aim for those cracks and crevices. Fix any broken fans, areas, you know, cock up any areas where there's holes where the tiny insects might get in too. Well, as long as you're working on the vents, make sure they don't get in. They get through the smallest cracks. I'll chime in just a little bit and ask, uh, of these insecticides, are some of these just very acute, short-lived or some of these, do they have a long residual period where they'll last for some time? Yeah, it does vary with the um, insecticide. The uh, melathion is organophosphate insecticide, so it generally has a more short residual. I would say, um, you know, about five to seven days, whereas a uh, pyrethroid-like tempo would have a longer residual, especially when it's not exposed to the sun outside and rain inside that bin, though it's, it's going to have a good probably two to three weeks residual. That's a good point too, to think about environmental factors that can degrade the insecticides. And I know one thing that does come up is if you're in a drying bin where you have a lot of heat versus your storage bin. So I know in the drying bins, it's generally recommended don't use these residual insecticides, at least if you're going to be running the dryer soon, because that insecticide will degrade very quickly and not be worth it. But obviously in a storage bin, or if you've just cleaned out your drying bin and you're letting it sit for a while, that might be a case where you could control the insects that way. That environmental aspect definitely comes into play a lot. And I think that's kind of a good segue to mention, you know, falls here, winter is coming. And what do we do as we move into winter? What are we looking for in those bins, whether it's temperature and spoilage or insect activity? What's going on there? Well, um, in the late fall, we fortunately have cooling temperatures, which are happening now, and we're getting down in the 50s. Uh, so that's good news. Um, in the late fall, like November, you know, you want to run your aeration fan for about a week until the grain is between 35 and 40 degrees Fahrenheit. And then you don't really have to run it again until spring. But you do need to check the grain every two weeks, especially when the temperature is warmer outside and look for problems that you might have. And the best way to do that is to smell the grain you know, smell to see if it's musty. Another way is to feel it. If you can feel any hot temperatures, they have temperature probes and so forth that you can stick into the grain bins. You need to definitely probe, use a grain probe for insects and get that probe sample several different areas, you know, the edge of the bin, the center of the bin, top, middle, and bottom to look for these insects because you don't want to be surprised. So on that note, I have heard, and we alluded to this earlier, that the insect feeding can cause temperatures in the grain mass to rise close to 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Is that the case in the middle of winter even? Well, yes, they will cause um, heating problems. um, And then that causes the mold 
So in general, you don't want to have any insects in the grain. It causes hot spots. So it might not be throughout the whole grain, but you might just have a few hot spots where the insects are. And in the winter, it's more likely to be in the center of the grain. So you don't want that to happen because um, then it's going to cause some spoilage problems. The grain, as you know, is very valuable. If the uh, insects get in there, you, you know, you might have your shipment of grain rejected and not be able to sell it. Um, it definitely will reduce the quality of the grain. And if there's mold in it, uh, that's something the insects cause as well. So there's lots of negatives to um, getting mold or insects, and they are related because the insects cause heat. So that produces the mold and <laughs> you get the hot spots in the bin. So those hot temperatures, I mean, they might sound like they're too hot for insects, but they actually do well when it's yes. up to 100 degrees, right? Yes, uh, that's why we want to get the grain temperature down to 35 to 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, insects typically um, are cold-blooded, so they're temperature sensitive. So they'll start to go dormant when the temperature gets below 50. And then once it gets below 30, 25 to, to 20 degrees Fahrenheit, the insects can actually be killed. But you need to be careful, um, especially in the winter, if you're bringing in cold air into the bin, because you don't want to freeze the grain. Because you know, when you freeze something, then you take it out of the freezer and it sweats. And that could cause mold and musty odor problems. So be careful in the winter not to freeze the grain. And if you do, you should try to warm it up a bit and run the aeration fans for an hour or so every other week during the winter. When it hits, well, probably will hit negative 30 again, maybe not this winter, but in an upcoming winter, I'm sure, like we had last year. What should you be doing in that case? Is that where, if you still have some moisture in your grain, probably best not to cool it down too much, but if it's dry, try to get as much cool air through there as you can? Well, if you're trying to kill the insects, it's a good time <laughs> to run a, some air through. But again, you need to do it um, carefully so you don't freeze the grain because you want to keep it at that 35 to 40. So you could do that, you know, but be sure you monitor the temperature of the grain so you don't get it too cold because you don't want it to freeze. So hopefully you know, we won't have too crazy of a winter for that many nights where it's negative 30 or lower. But at that point, you know, keeping an eye on things through winter then we're moving into spring and next summer, and it might depend what people are storing their grain for. Some might be doing long-term, others might only hold on to it for a year or less and summer feeding for livestock. So what are your thoughts on prepping for monitoring as we go into spring or summer based on whether someone's doing long-term storage or maybe just using it to feed later on? If you're going to um, you know, use store it into like late summer, you should warm the grain in the spring, usually April, uh, maybe March, depending on how warm our March is, but uh, start to warm it up to about 50 degrees Fahrenheit by aerating. Some people don't prefer just to leave the grain, you know, at the 30 to 40 degrees as long as possible, because 
cool, dry grain is good quality grain, and it's not going to get infested with insects or mold at that temperature. So we're kind of doing, um, you know, reverse moisture migration when you warm the grain on the surface and the colder grain is towards the center of the bin. So you can develop some hot spots or trouble spots below the grain surface when you do this, when you warm the grain. I was going to say that uh, it sounds counterintuitive at first for you think you want to warm up the grain to keep the moisture down where you might think that the opposite might happen. But, you know, that makes sense definitely when you think about the differences in that grain mass there, even if sometimes it's whether it's the insects or just flat out temperature we're looking at. So it's not all just pest management, but these are all very intertwined when it comes just to the management of trying to keep your grain basically in good condition can be pest issues could be just temperature that interplays into all these two. Yep. And you want to continue aeration in the spring uh, once you start it and then keep continuing until the grain is uniform temperature to near outdoor temperature. So if someone is storing for more than a year, maybe it's something they don't know what to do with yet. They might be thinking long-term marketing possibly. Are there any options for long-term storage when it comes to further insecticides, protectants there, they should think about if they apply it, say, on the top of the grain mass or what's left of the bin that they can get to at least? Yes. If you're going to store it more than 10 months, definitely you want to put a grain protectant on when you're augering it into the bin. And then it's also a good idea uh, to put a top dressing up at the top of the um, bin, usually six inches or so on the top grain surface there. For Indian meal moth, which is a very common stored grain pest. And there's several uh, treatments you can use for Indian meal moth. Uh, one of the more common is BT, which is for the uh, larval stage, which is the damaging stage. BT is pretty common. Uh, it's called uh, Dipel, one of the trade names, or Biobit. So you could apply that to the top surface of the grain. You know, safety is very important. If you're going to be up there at the top of the grain, you know, be very uh, careful and make sure someone is uh, watching you. That's a good point. Harnesses and ropes are cheap, but you don't yeah. have to cheap out on them or not have them at all either, because that's it's just one less worry if you're harnessed in good. And even for me, we have some older bins on our farm and and we can still hook into things pretty well where, you know, we can still be pretty safe about that. So it's, it's yes. not always just the pesticide applicator safety side of things. It's just flat out. If you're in a grain bin, take care of yourself. Yes. And you mentioned Indian meal moth. I kind of had a fun story about that when we had an old pile of soybeans. Uh, we were just you know feeding some livestock and we've kind of forgotten about it for some time. I went into the shed where it was and the biggest swarm of Indian meal moth I've ever seen. It was just covering the whole room. You couldn't see to the other side of the wall even. Oh, wow. So they can get pretty thick. So even an entomologist like me, we get caught off guard. Sometimes we might forget about things and that happens in farming all the time too. So that's why we mentioned this one where ideally you want to get ahead of things and have your sanitation in place and to watch things, but sometimes issues are still going to occur. So we do have some of those options to help you out, but obviously it's a little more complicated than when you're in your fields and you can go out with a foliar spray. So there's definitely a lot more care that goes into all this. Go well, ahead. I wanted to mention um, another thing with Indian mill moth is the webbing on the top of the grain. 
So you can look for that to see if you have the larvae that webs kind of makes a crust on the grain. If you do have that, you should try to break that up before you apply any insecticide, you'll get better control. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the easier ones to identify just because you will find clumps if you just put your hand in there. Yeah. I feel like most people have seen it, but maybe they haven't been able to put a name to it before. So that right. might be the picture we'll throw on the link for people for our okay. insect of the episode. <laughs> so with that, thank you, uh, Dr. Knoll, for visiting us today. And we will maybe have some more updates from the Dakota side of things in the future too, for this podcast, because we do like to cover the region a bit, especially Western Minnesota. It overlaps a lot with the Dakotas. We have a broad range of farming practices in our state and that goes across the region too. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate the invite and hope it's been useful. Thank you, Dr. Knodel. Thank you everyone for listening to the University of Minnesota Integrated Pest Management Podcast for Field Crops. Thank you. Mm -hmm.